Hello, and welcome to The Regrettable Century. I'm Chris. I'm Kevin. And I'm Jason. And we are doing our year in review for season four? Season four. Yeah. Dude, that seems like so many seasons. I know. It's a a year per season, right? Yep. That's insane. We've been doing this for four years. Every November. So we've started our fifth season. Like our next episode will be our fifth season after this one. So that's weird to me. It doesn't seem like that long. Unfortunately, Jess is tattooing somebody right now. Yeah. So she can't be here. It's just the, the original three regrettable boys again. It's really weird. Like... We're about to usher in the fifth year. Yeah. Like, I just, that feels wrong, you know? (laughs) It does. Like, we've been doing this shit just for fun. Like, all of the damn work that it takes. (laughs) Just for fun. (laughs) For for like four years now? That's crazy. I don't have to do any editing, so it's much easier for me. I just show up and ramble. (laughs) Yeah, well... uh, I get a, I get a little bit of the Patreon money for my efforts, I guess. So, right. like, you know, that's fine. Yeah. It makes it – it definitely makes it worth it. I mean, I get, it comes out to a very, very, very low uh, <laughs> hourly wage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but whatever. It's better than nothing. It's like Texas yeah. minimum wage. We, yeah, we exactly. really don't pay that well. You know? No. Yeah. I need to form a union and go yeah. strike against, against me. <laughs> So I guess today we kind of wanted to do what we generally do, just do a year interview, talk about the year uh, in general for the whole world and for us as people and for us as a podcast. And then, of course, at the very end, looking forward to the future. You know, all of our optimistic predictions about how things are going to be great. (laughs) We always leave everyone with. They're finally going to be great. Yeah, finally. (laughs) So one of the things I would like to do is... uh, just acknowledge one thing that Kevin said last year on our year in review is that he thinks this is one of the only predictions that was made uh, is that he thinks that everyone's just pretty much going to pretend like COVID is over and forget about it. And things are going to go back to normal. COVID's going to keep happening, but it's going to be like in the back of everyone's minds and not something that people are focusing on anymore. And he was absolutely correct. And he made that, he made that prediction at the height of Omicron and said that by the winter, no one's going to give a fuck about this at all, right? And he was right. And uh, so, good job, Kevin. You got uh, your one for one right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, um, I don't remember the last time I even saw a person with a mask on. Yeah. It was probably, first of all, it was in Los Angeles and it was not here. Yeah, not in Texas. Yeah. Every once in a while, you'll see uh, one of the the foreign students walking around on campus with a mask on. And uh, they would have done that if there wasn't Omicron anyway, because that's just sort of like, especially in Asian countries, that's what they do. It's like if if they got a cold or the flu or something, they'll wear a mask. Right. Which, you know, honestly, with this whole thing, uh, the the two two things that I've like gained out of the whole pandemic was uh, I know how to properly wash my hands now. Which is cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good that you learned um, that. Yeah. And uh, and also, if I ever feel even just like a little bit of a scratchy throat or just like a little bit under the weather, but I don't think I'm really sick or whatever, uh, going forward, I'll just throw a mask on, you know, so I'm not w- walking around getting other people sick just in case, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> conscientious. Good but job. but besides that, uh, I don't think I've, you know, any, gained anything out of it. I, uh, I recently went to a, um, uh, 
you know, a local uh, socialist meeting or whatever. And, uh, and it was the first one since the pandemic. Uh, and uh, it was the first one that I, since moving to a new city and, um, uh, and every single person in the room was sitting around wearing a mask and I didn't even bring one. <laughs> and I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> uh, and, but they, uh, luckily somebody had an extra one. Uh, and I was able to use that. So I didn't feel like a, a jerk, you know, sitting there like breathing, yeah. huffing my <laughs> pandemic breath into the air. Or something like that, but uh, there's definitely like pockets of that of people being who are remaining extremely conscientious about that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I, I I think I think for most people, I mean, at this point, you know that we've rolled out all the vaccines, and you know, there's stuff further protections that uh, government policy could do to protect people. Uh, but our government has proven itself incapable of uh, implementing of these, any of these policies Unlike, like, uh, you know, backwards countries like China uh, <laughs> doesn't really <laughs> care about human life. Um, you know, where they they are, have able, been able to keep up to this point, you know, um, a zero COVID policy. Um, and which also actually, my understanding is that they recently announced uh, some uh, l- loosening of those restrictions and the markets in uh, China uh, responded very positively to those announcements. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess that's one of the things that happened in the past year was Omicron hit the U.S. pretty hard, and uh, everybody got COVID like five times each. Mm-hmm. Um, I never did. I, still, I think I'm immune. I, I haven't gotten it yet either, and I've been TAing a class with 400 fucking students in Whoa. it like all semester, oh. So, and nobody wears masks. So, yeah. you know. I had it um, three times total, but not, not yeah. this year, but like three times since it, since it first started. Yeah. So, that's like um, every variation. Uh, my girlfriend got it. I never... I never came down. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Like I would, I, my first class of my last year of my master's work, um, I sat at a, in a graduate class of like, you know, 18 people or no, no not even that many, probably 12 people. And uh, I sat right next to my professor who emailed us all on Thursday. The class was on Monday. He emailed us on Thursday saying that he had COVID. And I was just like, well, uh. if I'm going to get it, uh, this will probably be it because I sat next to him for like, three hours in that classroom, like in a small enclosed space. So, and I didn't, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping I'm immune to it. That'd be fucking nice. Yeah. It'd be uh, rad. I, I would, yeah. I, it's, I've, I've kind of like begun operating on the assumption that I am <laughs> like, I don't want to be a spreader, but I'm also like, uh, you know, if I, if I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it at this point. But, um, uh, the, I mean, I've gotten all the vaccines and, uh, except for the most recent booster, I need to go, go get that. Um, uh, I've just been really busy, but uh, I also learned, you know, uh, that the what was it? The um, which one of them uh, came out with results of their studies up to this point, saying that they've conclusively shown that uh, the vaccines don't reduce, do not reduce transmissibility. It, it is. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. It is solely, they are solely effective for like reducing the impact of the uh, uh of uh on the individual so like um there's no no like sort of communal benefit from getting these vaccines whatsoever it is solely a uh, uh protect yourself make the uh covid the the your like ac- what happens to you will be better will not be not as bad if you've been vaccinated yeah 
That makes it harder to yell at people. I know. (laughs) It's not going to stop them, though. (laughs) People just love to yell at people, you know? Luckily, I've seen a lot of just the really fucking shrill screaming at the wall uh, over masks and COVID and stuff. It's just just sort of tailored off because I was just like, you know, I mean, like, look, I actually kind of even agree with you people, but like since shouting at people fucking via Facebook doesn't actually do anything, can you just fucking not? Yeah, well, and also just like, you know, at at this point, you know, there's no benefit from, you know, a a, a handful of people choosing to wear masks or not wear masks at this point. Uh, You know, the the greatest impact that you can have is uh, to like, is to be careful to uh, about like who you interact with before going to visit your elderly relatives or something like that so that you don't... uh, transmit it to somebody who's uh you know much more vulnerable likely to to die from covid if they contract it something like that beyond that it's 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 hard to imagine hard to sort of really see what benefit comes from individual responsibility around covid at this point it's a we have a total failure of public policy around it Mm -hmm. but there's not much that individual members of the public can do beyond just like trying to be careful around people in your own personal life the uh I mean, it was just at this midterm election, right? And nobody talked about COVID policy, at least yeah. at least <laughs> yeah, as far as true. I'm aware. I I only paid attention for like an hour. Yeah. So, you know, maybe somebody else did, but it was really not like a You hot. only paid attention for an hour to the most important of ele- election of our lifetimes? That's okay. One that there, could stop fascism? <laughs> there, there will be another one uh, that's also the most important and even you know, even more important, and that will be soon. So I'll yeah, pay attention exactly. then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, I mean, other things that happened in this past year are really fucking cool inflation. Food prices rose by 11 or almost 12% in the US. Energy prices by 34%. National high of $5 per gallon on average, like average $5 per gallon. It was like $7 in LA. It was like 480 here. And that was when we were moving. So I got to fill up a fucking 24 foot U-Haul that was full. of uh, stuff like five times on a road trip basically maxed out a credit card to pay for the gas to get (laughs) to move uh yeah so that was really cool like it's been really hard to afford to eat for us and we're not even the poorest amongst us you know i know i know every time every single time we go to the grocery store it's like we it's like you look at the bill and it's it's uh, you know two three hundred dollars or whatever and you look at your basket and it's just like there's a couple of basics here that i'm purchasing and that's it yeah insane so you know naturally in times like this housing costs go up cost of food go up everything goes up and then of course in order to 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 fix that trend uh the federal reserve uh hikes uh, interest rates and attempts to tamp down on wages right that's cool in a a country that has had wage stagnancy since the 1970s they're mm-hmm. they're trying to reverse one of the only good things to come out of the pandemic which was a rise in wages <laughs> yeah the, the yeah that's the explicit uh aim of the uh, policy implementation is to uh, increase unemployment, to increase uh, competitiveness uh, in in favor of the bosses against the interests of uh, the workers so that the bosses can get a a better deal when they're hiring workers uh, and hire people for for less wages. Um, 
which increases homelessness. Which so yeah, it, that's it, fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the that's a best case scenario that where a uh, it doesn't um, you know uh, spark a, a recession, which apparently England is the first um, of the Western nations to officially have entered into a recession now, um, and other ones, other of us are likely to follow. But we didn't we didn't have. Liz Truss at the at the helm. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, another, <laughs> that's another good news item. Uh, Liz Truss came into office, killed the queen, <laughs> tanked the British economy, and then resigned. And then now uh, Great Britain has its first person of color as a prime minister in the form of Rishi Sunak. Um, Progress, baby. Yep. Yeah, and he's a Tory. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's from a uh, family of uh, uh, su- super rich people. I I forget. I, I read something about what the um they were colonial collaborators in Africa. Is that I what know it is? that. Yeah, colonial they're part of like colonial Africa. administration. They're like in, Indian in um in uh in origin, but part of the colonial administration somewhere in Africa. Mm-hmm. They're like richest kind of yeah. They're, they're say- basically like uh, the British Empire used to do this. They would ship. Uh, ethnicities that would be considered like, you know, of course, like subhuman to British mm-hmm. racist whites of the time. They would ship them to a different colony to use them as administrative, as an administrative layer between the whites and the like other brown people that right. they were ruling over. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. And his family, he's a descendant of of that yeah. uh, uh, colonial relationship. Um, and and he's now the uh, the richest... I believe I, I, my understanding is he's the richest prime minister in England's or in, in Britain's history. Um, and uh, I've, yeah, of course <laughs> seen uh, people on, on Twitter um, castigating others for uh, mentioning his wealth uh, because um, that's racist because if, uh, uh, because people weren't mentioning the wealth of other prime ministers who came into office, even though this guy's the, the wealthiest, uh, prime minister in uh, Britain's history, <laughs> and it's yeah. of note. <laughs> it's yeah, we're, we're doing so well, you know. We're just doing so well. Yeah, it was uh, it was Uganda, and uh, whenever his family moved there from India, it was part of the protectorate of Kenya. Oh yeah, the British did a genocide there mm-hmm. in Kenya, right? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, the, the, here's this is progress, man. Representation, yeah. politics of representation, I guess. As they say. Yeah, uh, it's really funny how uh, lacking in nuance those sorts of politics are. It's it's really wild. I've uh, been um, – actually, it's 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 very specific and, and been specifically delved into in um, the Supreme Court case where the Supreme Court is about to overturn the use of affirmative, affirmative action um, in uh, publicly – or any, any university that receives public funds. The, and the arguments before the court – a lot of the uncareful and um, uh, frankly reactionary aspects of the way that the liberal elite have uh, wielded uh, affirmative action uh, type of policies. A lot of these dynamics have been brought out and wielded um, uh, against it by the conservatives whose sole interest is even worse, you know, but that's, you know, it's sort of like the way these things work. Uh, things like the flattening of uh, of race as it exists in America, the the wielding of affirmative action uh, in ways that 
uh, actually uh, – so, f- for example, the uh, the plaintiffs in the case are actually Asians, uh, Asian-Americans who are discriminated against through the use of uh, um, uh, affirmative action policies in these universities because they are a, a subset of the population that are overrepresented in pools of candidates to elite universities. Um, yeah. uh, and so in order in the interest of uh, increasing diversity on the cam- on these campuses, they actually get discriminated against in these affirmative action processes. Uh, and if you want to talk about his, uh, you know, groups who have historically been uh, discriminated against uh, Asian Americans are absolutely among that group. But that very yeah. thing of like just flattening all Asians into one category, that itself is is a, an, an absurdity. And it's been brought out in the arguments that. That absurdity has been brought out in the arguments um, in, in the case. There's also things like, uh, you know, according to a U.S. Census, you know, a person who's from Afghanistan, for example, would mark themselves as white uh, on the U.S. Census, um, which is like, you know, an Afghani refugee in the United States. If there was anybody who, who would be deserving of uh, affirmative action policies, uh, you know, it would be somebody like that. Um, uh, the, uh, absurdities like that are coming out. There's also things like, um, you know, the conservatives uh, who are opposing affirmative action are pointing out things like, uh, well, uh, uh, if you want to justify the use of affirmative action, you have to uh, uh, race consciousness in admission policies. You have to um, uh, use race consciousness as a method of last resort, and you're not g- arriving at your, the the point of last resort yet. You're uh, continuing to implement policies that favor uh, dominant racial groups, things such as legacy admissions. Uh, you know, uh, the, because your parents and grandparents and great grandparents all went to Harvard University, then you get preference in the admission process uh, because you are a um what's that fucking hoity-toity rich kid uh sport i forget what it's called uh i don't know it's one of those like um one of those sports that like only rich kids play the, nowadays anyway or whatever like polo or lacrosse or yeah lacrosse is what i was thinking of but i but it's uh in general things like that or whatever if you have that on your resume that gets you uh bonus points and it's uh and that you know that fact that fact favors uh, wealthy white people or whatever. They continue to implement these sorts of policies and then also map on top of that these sloppy affirmative action policies that uh, just allow them to like, you know, tally points in, uh, um, uh, without actually addressing social inequality. Uh, yeah. And so that's being wielded against them um, uh, by conservatives who want things to be even worse uh, for as far as uh, inequality go. But the liberals are responding by just instead of being like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. We should get rid of legacy admissions and uh, other policies that favor uh, wealthy white applicants um, before we start implementing, you know, before turning to uh, race consciousness uh, as a yeah. mechanism of, addre- uh, you know, I- increasing the interest of uh, that we have in having a diverse student body. Um <clears throat> Uh, they also do things like, you know, admitting it like the, the prime minister of uh, England right now, like the children of uh, the wealthy elite uh, in foreign countries uh, get admitted to and and like sort of like increase the interest of diversity or whatever, rather than the poor kids from the slums or the ghettos or whatever in in America. 
um, getting getting admitted, whose family several generations back have been living in poverty, poverty, you know? Yeah, it's like maybe the very first thing you should get rid of are a wealthy family. And then that would solve a lot of problems. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. like the first order of business, you know, right? On our like minimal transitionary program. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something that mo- yeah, it's, it's, that's not a radical uh, no. agenda. That's just no. that's like a really middle of the road agenda. And yeah, and whatever. In reality, liberals are not going to do anything ever. Yeah, they, I mean, this it's just like with every liberal solution to a problem, there's a myriad of exacerbations that that like fragment and spread outward and create an enormous number of problems. Like you look at the homelessness in California where like they increase the cost of living. Of course, you know, that's just what the mark that's what, what that happens when California becomes more prosperous in say like San Francisco for, you know, because of the the tech industry or whatever and it it increases uh cost of living there and it increases homelessness, so they give uh, a basic like like $650 a month to anybody who signs up in San Francisco that can prove that they're homeless, you know. So a lot of homeless people flock there which drains the amount of resources that they have to deal with the homeless people. It creates spiraling problems that don't actually help anyone, right? I don't necessarily yeah. know if I want to leave that in there because then it just makes it sound like I think there's a problem with homeless people flocking to San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, I mean, I guess there kind of is a problem because they don't have the infrastructure to deal with that many people. It's not like they're giving them houses. It's not like they're helping them reintegrate into society or to like, right. you know, like they're just help tolerating them. the presence on the street. Yeah, tolerating their presence on the street, which just means that there's lots of homeless people everywhere. Yeah, it's well, it is. I mean, it's a different it's it's a it's just like, you know, the subject that I was just talking about is like I sound like I'm opposing affirmative action, which, you know, uh, affirmative action is a good thing that should be used. Yeah, um, it's just as soon I mean, as you start liberal talking band-aids. about the, exactly it's as soon as yeah. you start talking about criticisms of uh, liberal policies that exi- actually exist to uh, try to, you know, um, to to deal with the problems of capitalism, you start sounding like a conservative. It can be, and it can be d- difficult to like talk about it um, in ways that don't make you uh, sound like <laughs> you're actually just being a reactionary. Like anything short of uh, rent controls, giving people free housing, yeah, giving people a fucking grocery stipend. And helping them live in the society is not a solution. Giving people $650 a month, that's nice or whatever. But really all it's doing is just, like I said, it's a Band-Aid, right? It's a Band-Aid on on a sucking chest wound. That's not even rent. No, it's not rent. In most places or, I mean, whatever. I've done no research on this, but I know from experience that rent can be um, at least twice that, if not more. Uh... What else happened this year besides the uh, awesome midterm elections? Well, we'll, we'll get to that. Don't jump ahead. <laughs> uh, um, well, let's I, see. I took a little bit of a break. Yeah, you did take a break, didn't you? Yeah. Well, we can talk about that in the personal life section and not in the oh, news yeah. section. You, you, you're the one that made this outline. I know, but I haven't, I haven't been looking at it. So Yeah, yeah we're definitely not follow, tracking. We're, we're like, I don't know. We're just like talking. <laughs> yeah. So like... Okay, that like uh, we could talk include all of the celebrity shit in one item that we could just make fun of and dismiss. You know, there's fucking Kanye, there's Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. There's uh, yeah, I mean, there's probably other ones too, but like people that care about that stuff are idiots. Yeah, and, there's another one. Like, 
uh, of like uh, specifically uh, of like the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard of like if you start criticizing the the liberals and you know I guess radlibs uh, who have la- who lashed on to that as like a you know a uh, that case or whatever as a uh, you know a beacon uh, or a whatever a proxy for their like for their for for expressing their feminist politics you start sounding like the you know republican party uh, of the united states that latched onto the other side of it and being and defended used that as a case study in the problems of me too and and uh how it's all gone too far and you know we need to defend men's rights as well or whatever uh uh and it's just it's like it's this is just another case of just like uh you know a pox on both your houses but i want to be able to like uh uh express my criticisms of uh the lib liberals and rad libs without sounding like a fucking reactionary yeah yeah it's like I just remember this being the only thing that was happening in my fucking – on any of my social media feeds for so long and I was just like, look, like there's no way to become a celebrity without being a complete piece of shit. Right. Okay, move along. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, okay. Speaking of moving along, what's next? Um, <laughs> let's talk about Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Oh, yeah. That happened. Yeah. Russia invaded Ukraine, which um, is bad. Invading invading other countries is bad, uh, but so is like supporting a fucking proxy war on behalf of the largest purveyor of imperial violence in the war. I mean, in the world, I still want to just absolutely castigate all so-called leftists who are in support of the United States' continual arming yeah. of Ukraine, supplying Ukraine with uh, logistical uh, information about the Russian forces, satellite imagery, all that stuff. This is a fucking proxy war. It and absolutely is. Yeah, it, the United States is at war with Russia. The United States wanted this war with Russia. Mm-hmm. It, they've, the United States has been maneuvering Ukraine into harm's way since 2014 at the at the latest, maybe even before then. But I've been following this since 2014. The United States has been maneuvering Ukraine into harm's way. In order to be able to do this, and now it's happening. I'm not saying Russia is not ultimately at fault for invading, because of course, yes, you know Russia didn't have to invade, mm-hmm. but that's not the way fucking global politics works. Obviously, it it was yeah no there's no question no you know you don't have to soften it to uh, you know and and fail to recognize that Russia committed a, a, a heinous war crime uh, yep. by right. invading yeah. Ukraine and then followed that heinous war, war crime with uh, I- implementing uh, you know war crime after war crime uh during its presence in Ukraine doing heinous horrible things that should be uh regarded as such uh yeah. you don't have to you don't have to deny that <laughs> no not at all uh, in order to I recognize that what's happening is, that. yeah is a proxy yeah. war between the uh, US and Russia and that the US is very much so at fault for the whole situation being there in the first place Right. The most I, upsetting thing about this for me is that like a whole bunch of people who like are identified with the left, like who are critical of, you know, whatever, liberals and pro-labor and, and so on, are also just like uncritically cheerleading yeah. NATO. Yeah. Yeah. It, if you support yeah. NATO and you're a leftist, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, like – I. It, I shouldn't be surprised anymore, but it's just like 
basically everybody on my on my feed that I know that is supporting NATO, supporting arming Ukraine, supporting this fucking proxy war, supporting billions of dollars in profit that's that Raytheon or their arms contractors are making, uh, and like just the deaths of thousands of people are former ISO people. <laughs> yeah. I guess I shouldn't be surprised by that. It's former ISO people and then like liberals, which like there's very little separating the two anymore. You repeat yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I saw a former comrade that posted something like, I can't believe that so many of my leftist friends are refusing to support the United States arming of Ukraine in the name of quote unquote anti-imperialism. Like, <laughs> under what circumstances would a socialist ever support the United States arming someone to fight against someone else? Right. Like, it's completely unprincipled. This is just a full-throated support of the United States' imperial aims. Yeah. That's all it is. This is a proxy war between – it's a, a war between two different empires being fought in a smaller country that was maneuvered into it by one of them. Right. Well, and one of these imperial powers is a the main one by a long shot. Yeah. Yes. And has been responsible for, you know, just a couple of greats like the invasion of, of uh, Afghanistan and Iraq and uh, the creation of ISIS. Mm -hmm. And the other one kind of can't even do that. So, like, if you were going to draw a balance sheet pound for pound, well, I mean, whatever. I don't want to say, like, you should support Russia instead because you shouldn't. You should... Just shut up is what you should do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like the idea of a sphere of influence is an imperialist concept, right? right? Russia has, is not entitled to having a sphere of influence. The United States, whose entire has the entire world in its projected sphere of influence, uh, does not like the idea of Russia having one. Right. So, like trying to take the Ukraine out of Russia's sphere of influence and put it in the United States is obviously a non-starter for Russia. So, I mean, like, it was an, inevit an inevitable conflict. You know, I mean, I John Mearsheimer called it in 2016, right? He said that this exact same thing was going to happen, that Russia would invade Ukraine as a result of the, the things that the United States was never actually going to let Ukraine do, which was like, join NATO or become part of the EU. That it, it was all provocation in order to draw Russia into some sort of conflict. Right, right. It's what happened in Georgia... You know, the United States would love if Russia just had little Afghanistans all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, it, it is. It's weakening, uh, you know, the Russian state. But uh, yeah. And know. like Afghanistan, for that matter, um, all of a sudden, there's a, a much less of a need for us to dump trillions of dollars into the war on terror. So naturally, we're going to have to find somewhere else that we need to buy weapons for. Right. Yeah. Ukraine, of course, and now China too, but like Ukraine. We've shifted from global war on terror to Cold War II. We started painting all the fucking tanks and trucks green, changing the uniform to changing military fatigues to green camo from desert camo. And, uh, you know, even the, the US Marine Corps stopped using tanks because they're not going to be fighting in flat plains and desert anymore. They're gearing towards being able to fight in island invasions again for some reason looming war with china that's the reason <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well i think um i think that um the prevalence of uh, 
supposed leftists championing uh, NATO in this conflict and, you know, the U.S.'s involvement as well. I, I think it belies the uh, how liberal uh, the left actually is, because I think a, a big part of what uh, uh, what's feeding into the ease with which this is, uh, um, you know, an, a narrative uh, for the base of the Democratic Party for liberals is um, the amount of fear mongering around Russia that's been happening for for years, for half a decade at this point of uh, Russia gate and Russian interference in U.S. elections to get Trump elected and, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff, the way that that's been, um, uh, beaten into, uh, people's, uh, into, into the minds of the entire base of the democratic party, which is to say yeah. liberals, um, uh, I, I think laid the groundwork for the ease, uh, with which this just sort of like slid into, yes, they're the bad guys. This is like this is the sort of the cathartic release for those fuckers. We need to get them. Here's our opportunity to to get them, you know, to stick it to them. And yep. uh, the it's, left, it's like 90 percent about that <laughs> tailing, tailing yeah. along with the Democratic Party or the base of the Democratic Party. In, in yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, and I, I, I uh, and yeah, and the, the, the couple of conversations that I've had with uh, folks um, uh, about about this stuff that it, it just, it's, it becomes, I just by having the conversation and just seeing the glaring, like the, 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 the sort of like the self-supposed moral superiority about the subject and uh, the, un the, the sort of unexamined assumptions that come along with taking these positions that, I, that I've seen just by having conversations with a handful of people about it uh, who would otherwise regard themselves as um, leftists. It just becomes immediately transparent that, that this is uh, what's really going on. You can't say, I mean, you do, if, if, if you try saying it to people, they, it just, you're not getting anywhere. You don't make any headway with it, but it at least becomes obvious. Maybe, I don't know, whatever. I'm talking myself into a circle here, but it, it becomes uh, uh, incredibly transparent to me that, uh, that that's, that, that is a significant dynamic of what's uh, underlying the, the sort of the ideology um, behind people's support for this is um, the cultivation of fear mongering about Russia um, and the tailing of the liberal uh, base uh, by um, the supposed left. Yeah, there's the, I was thinking about this earlier. I was, I went out for a run this morning and uh, my neighborhood is pretty working class neighborhood. And it's, it's one of those neighborhoods where like, it depends on what street you're on, you're on, whether or not you're actually in the fucking hood or whether or not you're just like hood adjacent, you know? And uh, the street that I'm on is hood adjacent. The street next to us is definitely hood. But so there's a six lane road that you can cross to get to a nice neighborhood. So I always run, I always run and cross the road and go in the nice neighborhood because I'm much less likely to be chased by pit bulls in the nice neighborhood. <laughs> so uh, when I'm running around in the nice neighborhood, I always, I always observe the marked difference in amount of Ukrainian flags from, <laughs> from the, you know, working class, the poor working class neighborhood to the 
upper middle class to upper class neighborhood. There's this one street, which is right. It's like facing a park with all the houses on the on the street are just really nice houses. They're across the street. Neighbor is just the really nice park. And every single one of them without fail has Ukrainian flags all down the street. And there's one house that even grew sunflowers in their front yard. <laughs> It's yeah, like fucking it, insane. Like at first, because it just because it didn't click at first, I was like, "Oh wow, there's like a big Ukrainian population." Or, <laughs> but actually, there's like a very negligible. Like, there's not one. No. So I know one Ukrainian, uh, and one Ukrainian here, and uh, you know they absolutely condemn the Russian invasion of Ukraine, but then say things like, "Oh shit, was definitely better in the Soviet Union." Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean... And genocide? What do you mean? We were like one of the preferred nationalities. We were like... like The Russians and Ukrainians are like basically the same people. The only people that really felt like they weren't were Western Ukrainians. But Chris, well, what and about also the like, Holodomor? Holodomor. Well, you know, that that is uh, definitely something that we could talk about, but <laughs> <laughs> not on this episode. Um, in one of the classes that I was in, we read a book that talked about uh, Russian administration of uh, the different SSRs in the Soviet Union and how uh, naturally, I think 75% of the people in the Soviet Union were Russian. Mm. So, naturally, they were the dominant ethnic group there. But that like Belarusians and Ukrainians were given the same sort of preferential treatment that uh, Russians were. There's sort of like an unofficial, obviously, because officially there's no such thing as ethnicity in the Soviet Union. Everyone's equal. Mm. Unofficially, there's like Slavic supremacy. You know, which when you pretend to be colorblind, you often uh, right. let unofficial racisms or ethnic uh, prejudices exist. So that's one of the things we were talking about. And then how after the collapse of the Soviet Union, the ethnic divisions between Ukrainians and Russians like spiked and uh, how in the in Ukraine specifically, like the ideology of the Western Ukrainians has gr been growing more and more and more and now is the official ideology of ukraine since the invasion like even russian speaking like eastern ukrainians are now like rabid fucking nationalists i mean it's like you can't it would not be it's not helpful to compare you know this the reality in the soviet union to what it says it aims to become in the long run instead you should compare the reality in the soviet union to whatever it was before and then in the Russian Empire and so on, and yeah, like exactly in exactly no case in in no case at all does it does it look worse that way? Yeah, like especially this is one of the most interesting things I read in this book was about how um, ethnic violence against migrants to Leningrad and Moscow, the two cities that uh, people from the periphery would go to work, like like the, the Caucasus or the Central the Central Asian Republics. So a lot of dark skinned, you know, Muslims and Georgians and Armenians who are Christian, but whatever, like darker skinned peoples would go and there were no ethnic enclaves. Everyone was essentially just integrated into the population as a whole. And there was virtually no racist violence as opposed to a place like France or the UK, where immigrants from the periphery were ghettoized. And then there was often 
ethnic violence, often racist violence by the police or by, you know, gangs of white supremacists or whatever. But as soon as the USSR collapsed, instant just eruptions of uh, racist violence against ethnic yeah. minorities. I mean, this is a conversation that you could not have with this portion of the left, which is, you know, the liberals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I, I in the same in the same conversation, I acknowledge the existence of like ethnic prejudices in the Soviet Union that were unofficially sanctioned because they weren't officially combated. Yeah. Right? Um, and they became structural, right? Because that's the way that shit works. Right. So I acknowledge that while also acknowledging that actually kept racist violence from happening, even though racism existed. Like there, like I, I, some of the people in these uh, these interviews that we read talk about. Oh yeah, like every once in a while you would come across a Russian that would say like, you know, why are they letting so many blacks take our jobs and stuff like that? Like, uh, and they said it was like you know it's sporadic and definitely not systematic, right? Um, and it's funny because we we discussed the term black in the Soviet Union. It's like what what do they mean? They're talking about like Armenians, and like yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's probably their hair. Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. But yeah, uh, interesting. That's a, a, a long digression. I'll, uh, if I remember the name of the book, um, I'll put it in the show notes because it is actually a really interesting book. Um, I think actually Jason and I were talking about this, and maybe this is something for the future. Um, I have shitloads of really, really detailed notes that I have made to use for comprehensive exams. Mm -hmm. So, I could just do an episode where I talk about really interesting books that I read in grad school and put it on the Patreon feed. Yeah. I could could give you guys my notes so that you didn't actually have to read the whole 400-page book. Thank you. That'd be great. (laughs) Just talk to you about the book. So, yeah. But anyway, that might be something that goes on the Patreon feed. That I, I, I know I would want to hear more stuff like this if I was listening to a podcast like, like ours. Let's move into talking about the midterms. <laughs> we don't have to talk about these for very long. <laughs> that's really, because, that's good. Yeah, because I mean like, I, you know, it's the fucking midterms. It's not real politics. Yeah, it's, it's really it, not. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so, kind of, it's kind of amazing though. Like because the, it's it's really pathetic on both parties in terms of how well they did and how well they're responding to it. And it's kind of nice to just see like the whole, everything's just kind of working not as well. And everybody's a little bit frustrated by it. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. There, there is the, the layer of dumb fucking libs that are turning the, (laughs) Oh, we, we only barely lost one of the houses and we're probably going to tie the other house. So like, that's basically a victory. You know, there's that uh, response to what's going on. A lot of a lot of libs which are for some reason didn't expect a red wave or uh losing several seats in the house that are inexplicably just so angry that more people didn't come out to vote to, you know, <laughs> maintain a majority that are inexplicably angry that they didn't gain more, which I don't know. I don't know why they anyone could have possibly thought that they would have. I mean, the, the basic, the way that elections work in the United States is incumbents go out in the midterms. Yeah. You know? And, and like, it, especially, and especially when there's- so, yeah. Especially, especially okay, it, it's when, iron, whenever the president is performing in, in such a way as where- 
people are very, very disappointed in the president. You know, this red wave that everyone's talking about. Yeah. It's really weird that that didn't happen. You know? It's an iron law of American politics that yeah. when there's inflation during a midterm, you throw the bums out. Right, so, right. The, yeah. the fact that there are actually, actually liberals who are disappointed by this result is like phenomenal to me. But I have kind of been paying attention to a lot of poll aggregators and stuff that were saying, look, it's probably not going to be a red wave. It's probably going to end up with a... Uh, very, very close race. Puddle. Yeah. And so it'll be like, you know, maybe the Republicans take the House and then the Senate's a toss up. No, no one can really tell. The, the people that I've been listening to have been saying for like, you know, all year long leading up to this. So I was completely unsurprised. I was like, okay, yeah, this is about how I thought it was going to go. So I was very surprised to see so many people relieved that it only went as poorly as it did for the Democrats. Because apparently all the mainstream Democratic uh, news sources have been saying, oh, prepare for the red wave, prepare for the red wave. And so have all of the you know conservative news sources. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't aware that this is going on because I don't fucking pay attention to that shit. I actually don't read any liberal news sources. I get enough of that shit in my, uh, in my feed from so-called leftists. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I, every once in a while, since I don't know a ton of conservatives, I will check out conservative news sources. And like I look at someone, a place like the American Conservative, and they're kind of split as to whether or not a red wave is going to happen. But it really, really does seem like the Republicans overreached on Roe versus Wade. Yeah. Seems like that and is really what did them in. Yeah. Yeah. And it cost them the election. And that's really all there is to say about it, honestly. I don't know the number, Kevin, maybe you do, of like DSA members or democratic socialists or whatever, whatever that counts for is is secondary, but a certain number of them won elections and it's like a really kind of a high number if you include like a, oh, if you don't know either, (laughs) this might not be worth bringing up then because I also, I just don't know the number. Yeah. I just assumed Kevin would know. Because uh, it was like, you know, it's, it's not something I, I really track. I, I know it's um it's a metric that the organization that I'm uh, more sympathetic to the organization than I think the two of y'all are. And it's a, a metric that the organization itself regards as a highly important. However, it's not a metric that I, I regard as terribly important. So long as any individual who's elected is not bound to the organization in any uh, yeah, 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 or concrete way. To my mind, it is utterly irrelevant. It just doesn't matter. Yeah, that's the way I feel about it too. In fact, all of that was a setup to say, "Oh yeah, wow, all this stuff that happened, and yet, and then whatever what you just said, and how it doesn't <laughs> matter." So, never mind. Guess what's going to change as a result of this? Um, nothing. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, not co- not necessarily, but it'll be about the same amount of stuff that would have changed if the the balance in the House and the Senate stayed the same. So, like, we'll have stasis on social issues, right? Like, because Democrats don't generally cross the aisle to fuck over, like, people of color and uh, gay people and women. Not specifically. They right. will, however, cross the aisle to fuck over the entire working class. Which is disproportionately people of color and women, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but but they won't cross the aisle to mess up that. It'll, right. it'll still it'll still ruin things for those people, but on different terms. 
Right. It won't ruin it for them enough so that they can't look to the Democrats and say, look, these are the only people that are speaking up for us. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there'll be like the let gay people exist. And then there will be the execute the poor bill that will also go through Congress, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I personally, I would definitely vote yes on the let gay people exist bill. Yeah, I, I, I think it's no a good on thing. the second bill though. That, yeah, <laughs> I think it's a good thing that people should be able to be gay. Yeah. Um, the, the second bill just needs a lot more research before yeah. I could I could endorse it. You know, it needs to be means tested, really. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are they poor? If they're poor because they're gay, only execute the white poor people. Yeah, exactly. We don't want to sound like MAGA communists. Oh, God. Oh, God. I don't even want to acknowledge their existence. It's just – it's so stupid. It's not – it's not – they're not real. Yeah. It's like 24 people on Twitter. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a – yeah, exactly. It's There's like a couple of people who have like uh, an online audience and they're just being inflammatory to – boost their brand you know it's it's so yeah. it doesn't matter and and you know it's just it's just an inversion it's just taking uh the liberalism of the left and just inverting it instead of objecting to uh objecting to uh, adherence to the liberals conservative dichotomy they just like flip it and say well we should tail the republicans instead you know yeah um, yeah it's, it's, it's tailism just, it's, it's dumb it, across the board a failed tactic yeah and it's and definitely not something to get so worked up about like i saw um, it's going nowhere yeah i saw uh, some fucking thread on twitter about how like you know the Caleb Maupin and the MAGA communists and the Pat Sox or whatever about how that is proof that the the left to fascism pipeline is uh, was a real thing this whole time because like there's 14 idiots and like, <laughs> well wait also- what, the, the contention is that sometimes people change their minds in bad ways. Yeah. And and that needed to be proven, and that's like a that's a revelation that needs to no, be announced. It's, it's people. It's like rad libs on Twitter that pretend to be leftists, saying that like it unless you are in full throated defense of every single liberal position on uh, social issues. The way that Chapo used to be called Chapo Fash House because they like took a sort of oh yeah that's right what was, yeah. they, they took what people thought was a, a workerist or economist kind of like view of politics because they supported Bernie Sanders I guess um, yeah or like just the idea that like Red Scare existed and they were like they kind of they they turned conservative after having been like anti woke or whatever that there was this everybody on the left who wasn't already in the or in the orbit of like the extreme radical liberal version of these these politics was on their way to the fascism pipeline and how the existence of like MAGA communism and Pat Sox and the fact that like Amy Therese and Red Scare turned conservative, it vindicates the all of the paranoia about that pipeline. As opposed to just like a grand total of twenty six people yeah, as opposed to how the just proof that you know when you're extremely online, then you have a problem like a disease of the brain. Um, but in other news, and also speaking of being red brown, um, labor 
<laughs> I was about to say, where are you going with this? <laughs> that was too long uh, of a pause. <laughs> yeah. No, like uh, I have announced – speaking of being red-brown, <laughs> I have an announcement to make. <laughs> yeah. All those people were right. Um, no. No. Uh, just, you know, labor is kind of making making a big deal of itself and that's good. You yeah. Know? It is. And you would think that that would also have some sort of effect on what socialists talk about. But yeah, it, it's not enough of one. But there's like, I don't know, like at the beginning of the year, there were no unionized Starbucks. And now there's more than 200 of them. And, uh, you know, Amazon and whatever. There's there's little there's bits of one ha- warehouse that has I mean, been unionized. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been they've been unsuccessful. <laughs> Other everywhere else they've tried every single other one that they've tried. Yeah, that right. That I mean, Peter, I'm not pretty quickly. Oh yeah, I'm not saying that like this is like a a massively. It's, a, it's not like a a change in the mood, but it's like the beginnings of what could be that, and that's good. That's something to celebrate. I hope so. I don't know, man. I'm uh, I I want that to be true more than anything in my body, in my soul. Every part of me just screams for uh you know wanting that to be true but i i just i don't know if it is um i it's there's nothing more like any other like just irrelevance and stupidity of the left i can just you know be like oh these bunch of idiots you know and sort of hand wave it away and not it doesn't bother me too much but the the lack of the rise of labor um Right now, uh, it it crushes me. It's immiserating. It really makes me feel bad um, because that is what's needed. Um, that is the only thing that could po- pose itself as a hope for the future. Um, and it just, I just don't, you know, the the wave of. I mean, it's it's better than nothing, and I support it full throatedly. Uh, but the wave of Starbucks uh, unionizations is petered out. Uh, at this point, it's it's not really growing anymore, and that none of them have a contract, and it's a long slog to get there. The Amazon unionization, they organized one warehouse and have failed over and over again uh, at every single vote that they've taken since then. Uh, you know, these little glimmers of hope were just like little flashes in the pan that don't appear to have l- found any kindling uh, to light. Same with the teachers' strikes of recent previous years, uh, and then the unionization drives in public schools have like petered out. Yeah, it's it's basically just like I guess it's, and I'm guilty of this as well of maybe feeling slightly optimistic about a rise in labor struggle, uh, but it's only because what passes for what passes for something good uh, in the United States like has such a low bar, right? Right. I mean, yes, but also like, you know, 4,000 people went to labor notes and uh, the unionization has definitely seen a major increase, like much more than recent years. And yeah, it's very small, but it, it is something to orient toward as opposed to whatever anybody ever says on Twitter. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. The decline of u- the unionization rate has slowed. Right. right. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Like. If you're a socialist, that's what you should be focusing on, and not and not anything Amber else. Amber Heard not, and Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah, not that. Not elections. Not 
whatever the most annoying per- person that you've ever heard of says on Twitter because yeah. there is there is some movement and that is worth that's definitely worth something like in the UFCW there's a growing rank and file effort that um it's it's just it's just worth paying attention to that's all well it's definitely thing. more worth paying attention to than like all the other stuff that you mentioned yeah. that's that's definitely true and and, and uh, excessively excessive cheerleading about this could also ruin it it could also yeah. make m- much more of it than there should be and it could also be really damaging yeah yeah well yeah like i definitely um i i'm willing to be the optimist of the three of us but I, but only relative to the two of you i would i'm not an optimist relative to anybody else Well, you guys want to talk about our personal highs and lows of the past year? Yeah, I've had some. Yeah? Uh, Yeah. You know, like uh, (laughs) I was in a horrific car accident that was not at all my fault. And I was in a coma for a while and I was in a wheelchair for a while. And uh, that was kind of a really big deal. I coded. I almost died. Now I'm back. So, for those who are curious, Jason was turning left into his neighborhood when he was hit by a guy going 70 miles an hour in the wrong lane <laughs> against traffic. Yeah. Hit at his driver's side door. Thank thank God for German engineering, though. Uh, you're still alive. And for modern medical science, for that matter. Like, uh, Yeah, yeah the, the surgeon that like reset my absolutely shattered bones, he, he told me that he was expecting that... I wasn't going to make it. So, that was kind of nice to hear. And it was really nice to hear way later. Yeah. Whenever it was very clear that I was going to make it. Yeah. Although, I wouldn't have heard it immediately because I was... Yeah, you would not. You would never have heard it. <laughs> yeah. Because I was in a really um, deep coma and I thought I was flying a World War II planes. <laughs> in World War II, part two. Right. Yeah. So, there was that and like... The, you're still in the midst of a recovery process that's supposed to take until the summer. Yeah. Yeah, like a, a full year. But like cognitively and physically, like I don't know, man. I've seen like enormous improvements in the past few months. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, I still feel like I can still like every week is still better than the week before. So, like I can, I can tell like I don't know how much further there is to go, but I can tell that I'm going to move further just based on – how every week has been. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, so I, I, that's really mention, cool. Yeah. We didn't mention that you had like a, a level three traumatic brain injury. Yeah. And that was why you were in a coma because you had a brain bleed and they drilled a hole in your skull to put a, a monitor in it. Yeah. And, and, oh, and yeah, they, 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 they shaved, ruined my hair. They did. Yeah. They, they shaved the front part of his hair. They gave him like a George Costanza looking kind of haircut. <laughs> so that whenever he came out of his coma and it's like he had like a you know a couple of weeks worth of facial hair growth and he had his like his head shaved to look like he was balding in the middle and i was like yeah kevin did i ever show you this picture uh i don't know i don't know let me see it i'll find it that, later and i'll send it to you but yeah i definitely looked like a very old man <laughs> yeah and also the way that i moved <laughs> <laughs> yes like a very old man yeah yeah. And now I move like a very out of shape person who's, you know, 10 years older than I am. Yeah. yeah Which like is... Me, like me. I'm yeah. Not, I, I'm not 10 years older than you. I'm like three years older than you. <laughs> but like, you know, two months ago, I moved like a very out of shape person who was 40 years older than I am. So, I'm, I'm very confident that eventually 
I will just be like regular. Yeah, Jason, we've been going to the gym together. That's one of the things we've been doing. And he's been seeing a personal trainer to help him like rebuild the muscle that he lost from laying around for three months and uh, to help realign his uh, balance because he was leaning heavily to one side. Yeah. So, yeah, we've been like getting totally shredded, lifting heavy. Uh, I got a puppy. Total meatheads. Oh, yeah, you did get a puppy. Yeah. It's really, you have a really cute puppy, actually. I know. He's adorable. He's a little gremlin. Yeah. He's a little terror. He just pisses and shits everywhere. That's what puppies do, dog. I know. I remember I I used to have a puppy. It's mostly the pissing. He's, he's already, he's not even three months and he's, uh, He's already like, he only wants to poop outside, which is great, but that's an awesome, uh, but the peeing, he just, it's, he has, it's like zero bladder control. It's just anytime he's awake, uh, it's just like, he'll just stop in the middle of anything all the time. Just constantly, like every five, 10 minutes, he'll just like stop and pee and then like go go back to playing or whatever. That's kind of like me also. (laughs) I ha- I definitely have to stop and pee like a lot more than I used to. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, because I'm trying to be like a puppy. Yeah. That's yeah. Fair. Yeah. yeah um, you moved to a different city, right? Yeah. I did. Kevin. Yeah. Uh, moved to another city. Uh, got a house. Um, I don't know. Uh, got a, uh, a, a job working back in the log and How's the law doing? It sucks. <laughs> it's very the bad. The law sucks. It's, it's bad. Uh, and I don't recommend anybody do it. It's a very bad choice. I should have gone to medical school. I uh, I review uh, a lot of doctors' uh, employment contracts uh, is a big uh, major part of what I do now. And and every one of them, I'm just like, God damn, I should have gone to medical school. <laughs> Make a lot more money. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of school, that's what I'm doing. I uh, got my master's degree this last year and started PhD program. And I think everyone already knows that, but that's what that's all I do now is I just constantly read books and then write papers about books. I'm in the middle of coursework and, uh, you know, I got coursework and then comprehensive exams and then I start working on my thesis. But this is just step one in a, another long process. <laughs> yeah. So I'll be doing this for the foreseeable future. And yeah, uh, I like it. It's It's great. I'm poor as shit. Because, you know, I live off my stipend and wages from being a teaching assistant. But, yeah, I don't know. I was also poor as shit before and uh, much less happy. So Right. I now like you this. at least get to, like, read books. Yeah. Write papers on them. Yeah, I mean, I'm good at that. Too. Yeah. Um, one thing is that, you know, we, we recorded 10 fewer episodes, like regular episodes, than we – than in any year – previous to this you were out for three months and we didn't record anything for three months so that's yeah. that counts for at least like six to eight of those episodes so this is like whatever this will be like number 20 something rather than 30 something yeah so uh let's talk about the year in review of podcasting oh you know, yeah usually we spend the entire episode talking about Sorry this about that, yeah yeah so um yeah what were our best episodes from the past year and what were you know the ones that we feel like we could have done better on you know what were our highs and lows of the past year well i really liked our episodes that we did on the history of american socialism oh, I, yeah. I think that i think that we uh 
we did two episodes worth of that series. No, we all three of them were in this past year of, of podcasting. Yeah. And we started the No Royal Road series this past year. I think we did most all of our episodes except for one. And I really liked all of those as well. Those are I like talking about medieval history. That was what my focus used to be. And I like really enjoy talking about that stuff, especially especially since I don't do it anymore, but I still enjoy it. So I like the No Royal Road series a lot. Yeah, that was cool. I'd like to just pick that back up. Yeah, I think we have plans to do that starting soon. Um, But I think that probably my favorite was the No Ethical Technological Innovation Under Capitalism episode. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Um, Well, so in addition to the American Socialism ones, the the other big favorite of mine was, oh, it was Marxism, Marxism in Dialogue with Christianity. That was, oh, yeah, that was a good one, too. Yeah, I've listened to it a couple of times. I, I have gotten a lot out of listening to it. And uh, it cemented a relationship with Ben, which has proven fruitful. And yeah, that was a really good episode. That was probably yeah. my favorite. I like all the religion episodes that we've done. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I mean, I haven't been on most of those. <laughs> but um, I, I appreciate that um, that's happening on the show. Um, I really uh, just enjoy reading um anything from the salvage folks uh so i really like yeah. uh, our uh, discussion in the last couple episodes of the labor theory of apocalypse and maiming prometheus um <clears throat> i um i actually don't remember the episode but <laughs> but uh the the title the case for keeping it to yourself <laughs> i really like that so <laughs> uh everybody Wait, should just shut up and keep it to themselves a lot more that was I a don't, i don't remember episode. that one at either it was it was sort of like just some chatter that we had before an episode, but it was like thirty minutes long, so we like turned it into a Patreon episode, and it was just where we we were just joking around, and That's we right. talked about like how we feel like we're better off having gotten into a few fights as kids, so that we didn't like yeah. grow up to be like. That's right. Yeah. Totally afraid of other people harming us, and uh, you know stuff like that, and then about how everyone should just shut the fuck up on the internet, like you know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Actually, in terms of uh, the Patreon feed, I also really liked the uh, the Czechoslovak Revolution. And oh, yeah. The, uh, also, I forgot about And those. the Prague Spring, you know? Like, I really... That's really made me think of, about wanting to, I don't know, revisit some other countries, too. Because that has turned out... I mean, what we've heard from a lot of people is that we... Uh, Really challenge some some myths, challenge some notions, and that was kind of the point. So that was cool. Yeah, we actually have a one final episode to do in that series that we're going to do um, over uh, Christmas. Christmas, not Christmas. I mean, over uh, my Christmas break. Like, I don't have time because there's a book that we're reading to prepare for it, and I don't have time to read that book right now. So we're going to do that like. Once I'm out for break, things we could have done better. What are regrettable um, things? <laughs> yeah, uh, not getting in a major car crash. Yeah, yeah, be a thing that we could do better next next year. <laughs> yeah, we won't be doing that. Yeah, I having done so, I would just I wouldn't recommend it for anyone. If if you uh, if you feel like going to the gym is is a good thing to do, you could just go do that instead of getting into a wreck. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, exactly. But in terms of episodes, I don't think there are any. 
if if we had three more months of episodes, I could probably pick one. But instead, uh, I kind of just like all of them. I've like I've liked everything that we've done this year. Yeah, yeah. I think all we're killer, good, no filler. Yeah, I think we're in a good good pace and just you know a good stride or whatever you call it, and uh, yeah, keep at it. Uh, I, I I really appreciate that we're not like um like none of us are trying to make a living doing this or relying yeah. on any income from it or anything like that. So we can just kind of do what we want and it's fine, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, like we're not beholden to anybody's opinions or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, we would like to not lose lots of listeners and stuff, but. <laughs> I don't think that fuck our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> We've never really tried like, oh, we should talk about this so that we can get more listeners. We've never done anything like that. Uh-uh. And we've yeah. never we've never shied away from a topic because we thought it might make us lose listeners. Like, I know that a lot of people that that listened to us before we started talking about religion all the time are probably gone now. <laughs> just because of how fucking yeah. stupid the left is about religion. They're like I know. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, I guess like whatever sorry yeah sorry that you're stupid about religion <laughs> um yes yeah, it's, it's actually fine you know yeah. it's okay yeah and uh i don't know i think that like uh yeah i, w- I don't think i would have uh, the only thing i would have done differently is probably do more podcasts mm-hmm. uh maybe uh, yeah. prepare better sometimes um i don't know yeah i think that like this is that's, the first year that's that cool really... though because you could just do that you know next year yeah next year <laughs> I probably yeah. will not be able to prepare better next year. Not now that I'm in a PhD program. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One thing I don't want to do, something we've done on, on like every um, year in review episode that I don't want to do this time is I don't want to project wishes for what we might do because, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, I've gone back and listened to a few of them and we're, <laughs> we just don't ever do that. You yeah. Know? And so, yeah, it sort of like generates a, a false perception of what's coming, you know? Yeah. Maybe disappointing to some people or off-putting to people or, or whatever. Yeah. Well, we've yeah, got like, plans to finish off some series. Like, we're going to finish the uh, – we're going to keep going with No Royal Road. We're going to finish off the Zygmunt Bauman book that we've been reading. We're going to finish off the uh, the uh, Czechoslovak Socialism series. Yeah. And then I think we might do, and this is, we've already said this, the books I read in grad school series for the Patreon feed. Yeah. Beyond that, I don't know. I just want to keep doing, and we probably will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Just keep doing. Keep I would doing. also, I would like to, I don't know if we'll ever do this or not, but if we ever have time, I would like to eventually do that episode that we've been talking about, uh, about World War II, the Eastern Front. Oh, yeah. That would be, I think that would be a fun episode to do. Well, you know, whenever we have a standing series of nerd Chris reads us nerd stuff that he sa- and then he says nerd things to us, that could fit in there. Yeah, except for that's like I, that's not what I study. So, it wouldn't really fit in there. But uh, maybe um, I could use some of my old notes and stuff from ma- my master's degree whenever I was like in a military history program. <laughs> I wasn't in a military history program, but my program was heavily um, weighted towards military history. So I took a lot of military history classes. And one of them was all about uh, Nazi Germany during World War II. And of course, 80% of World War II was fought on the Eastern Front. 85%, I believe, actually. Yeah. See, this kind of what I was talking about, right? Right, right here. 
that's the reason why it could be. Yeah. So I, I could probably do something like that. It'd be that'd be pretty fun, I think. Another yeah, so another thing that happened in this past year is that uh Comrade Adam from Red Library started podcasting again and he has a new podcast called Subjective Conditions. And uh, we did a collaborative collaboration together in which we re uh, we announced the relaunching of the Lost Horizons Network. So right now it's just us two, um, and I guess technically f- from seventy eight, even though they haven't published anything for two years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's the two the two of us on the network again, and who knows? Maybe we'll have others in the future, and uh, maybe we'll actually do more networky things. But as far as I'm concerned, there's still a Lost Horizons Network. Yeah, it, it always has been. It was just us for a while. But yeah, it, we're, yeah. The sole member of a network. I don't think, yeah. I think that qualifies you as not a network anymore. No, no, because we had Mir uh, as our Lost Horizons network yeah, member at true. large. So That's true, true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he wasn't and, a podcast. And those episodes were awesome. Uh, yeah. You know. But yeah, so Subjective Conditions, you check it out. It's uh, all about psychoanalysis and the effects of capitalism um, and how those are dealt with. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you will definitely remember, I mean, you will definitely, you better remember uh, (laughs) that Adam is a therapist and uh, is very into psychoanalysis and that always figured heavily in any of the discussions that we had. So basically this is just him leaning into that part of, uh, of his understanding of capitalism and uh, Marxism. It's good. Yeah. It's great. Oh, um, one prediction that I made last year was that uh, we're all going to realize that Donald Trump is still very much a contender for the presidency (laughs) and that it's very likely that he'll get elected in 2024. And I said that that we're all going to come to that realization because I know there was a lot of talk about how Trump is dead since the uh, the Capitol riots, you know, the yeah. the January putsch attempt, um, <laughs> and uh, that there was a bunch of talk about how the he was under investigation, stuff like that. That he, there's no chance of him being able to run for president again. But now, you talk to anybody, it's all about whether or not it's going to be DeSantis or Trump at the front of the Republican Party in the 2024 elections. So I, that prediction, I think, came true. They'll mm-hmm. they'll start gearing up for 2024 next year. We have yeah. the most enormously long election cycles. So, yeah, we made predictions at the end of our episode last year. Would you would anyone like to offer any for new next predictions? Year? Yeah, new predictions. Oh man. I'll start. I predict that there is no conclusion to the Russia Ukraine conflict. <laughs> oh yeah. And that yeah. even though Ukraine has made some gains, in this uh, last counteroffensive, that uh, it drags on and on and on and on and on and on and on, just like the United States wants it to. When I say the United States, I mean like State Department, arms industry, military yeah. industrial complex in general wants it to. Yeah, yeah like what public, do you, what do you think about not public opinion. Hmm? What do you think about the sanctions, though? Do you think those are going to like ease up, or like how, what do you think is going to happen with all with that side of? I kind of think that like they're going to start to. F- break um, yeah definitely i think that the europe can't sustain the sanctions right um i think that they're hurting the rest of the world worse than they're hurting russia and yeah. i think they're going to peter out 
Yeah, that was going to be my one prediction because I yeah I also just don't see a future for it. I don't really have any predictions either. I don't. I mean, everything is just going to keep being terrible. Everything will keep being terrible. That is the general prediction that is endorsed by all three members, present members of the Regrettable Century. Everything will keep getting worse. We will still this time next year. There will still be no viable vehicle for genuine left-wing politics in the United States. Yeah. Everything's going to suck. Yeah. The climate will get worse. Weather will get worse. Mm-hmm. Homelessness will rise. Yep. We might be in a recession by then. Yep. Ah, there's a prediction. We'll be in a recession by this time next year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All, fucking, all sorts of economists are predicting sooner. that. Yeah. yeah. Likely yeah. sooner. Yeah, they're they're the Fed is actively trying to cause one to yep. happen instead of because there's there's too much currency in circulation, so they're trying to reduce that without instead of just like directly removing currency from circulation, which is what a tax does. <laughs> they could a- even if they didn't want to fucking implement like a a permanent increase in the you know income tax or whatever, just do a one time big ass wealth tax. That would remove currency from circulation. Wow. Yeah, except for we live in an incredibly inhumane, ineffective system. And uh, they're going to make sure that the most vulnerable people pay for it. Mm -hmm. It's the only button they have available to them to push. And so they just keep pushing it. The fuck the poor button. Inching closer to apocalypse. See y'all next season. If in progress is ours once more. Now that we have a new Turan bomb. It's nice and quick and clean and galaxy's done. Away with the sensationomy. But no less valued a property. Swiss away, and must we have more room to play?
again.